Week 7, Saturday tailgate here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Good to have you in for Hour 2 of this week's show. Nick and Marquise leading you right up until kickoff today at 11 o'clock. A big hour coming up. We will go to Knoxville in about 15 minutes and talk to Ryan Callahan from 24-7 Sports. Also a deeper dive into Texas, Oklahoma. And we'll wrap up the show with our Saturday selections. But first... We kick off the second hour with another installment of In or Out, where I give Marquise five questions or five statements, and we debate whether we're in or out on those. So question number one, or statement number one, I should say, this is the most wide open that college football has been in the playoff era. Are you in or out on that? Yeah, I'm going to go in, because I don't know who's number one at this point. Like, I don't. Like, you can... And that's the beauty of it, because... You can make an argument for every team. You can make a disagreement for every team. You can make an argument for every team as well. You can say that Alabama's been good on offense, but they haven't played anybody, and their defense is questionable. You can say the same thing for Clemson. You can say, you know, Georgia hasn't played anybody outside of Notre Dame, but it's just you have so many different arguments for each team that can be number one, two, three, and four to where it's, it's going to take a little more than just a conference championship to determine who the final four teams are. Now, it, it may have to take guys going undefeated to possibly even leave no doubt. Because I, I think if, if you're one of these teams like Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, and I think if you get a, one loss on your record, it's going to be hard to get bow, back and bounce back from that. So. I'll go in, man. This has been a interesting and fun, and it's even for the Heisman race as well. Just there's so many guys, and there's so many teams that you can make arguments for as number one. Okay, in or out on this statement, which program is most primed to break up the stranglehold on the playoff that is held by Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and Oklahoma? I'll give you four teams, and you can give me more than one of these four if you think more than one will make the playoff. But Ohio State. LSU, Penn State, Wisconsin. Of those four, which program or programs could break up the stranglehold that Bama, Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma currently have? I would say there's actually... I would actually say I can make an argument for three out of the four. Okay. But I'm going to say two out of the four just because of my confidence level of these two, and that's Ohio State and LSU. Um, I, I think Ohio State can go undefeated this season, I think they're that good on offense, but it's not even – and we mentioned how good Justin Fields is, how good J.K. Dobbins been this season on offense. But but Chase Young and, and what they're doing on that defensive side of the football as well has been really good. And then you can also – LSU has one of the best offenses in college football outside of maybe Alabama. So And that's kind of where I put it in with, with LSU. And obviously they have questions on defense, similar to how Alabama has questions on defense. I like Wisconsin. Wisconsin was that third team I was kind of teeter-tottering over, but I'm just not sure. If Jonathan Taylor gets shut down in the run game, I'm not sure they can beat you at the quarterback position, even though this is probably the best option they've had at quarterback in a long time. I just don't think, you know, despite their defense being good, and but if Jonathan Taylor doesn't get going on offense, I just don't know if this team can bounce back from that. So that's why I'll say Ohio State and LSU for sure mm-hmm. can definitely break the mold of that college football playoff four. 
Totally agree with you. Uh, in or out on the third statement here, and we just discussed Tom Herman and the always, you know, the rumors and the discussions. Or not, I'm sorry, not Tom Herm, uh, Tom Herman, uh, Lincoln Riley, with the NFL rumors, and you know he's going to be the next guy to make the jump to Sunday. So in or out on this statement, Brian Kelly has done all that he can at Notre Dame and should make the jump now to the NFL. I'll go out because I felt like he hasn't done all he can at, at Notre Dame yet. Really. No, man, he's got to win a championship. Uh, he's been to a national title game. Now, they got housed by Alabama. But considering all the academic standards they have there, I, I don't know that he can eclipse what he's doing. I do agree with you on that aspect. But as a coach, especially in the fashion, like, I, I'm, I'm thinking about it like this. I'm thinking about it if Nick Saban or if any of these other coaches, Dabo, would have got mollywopped. In some of these games that Notre Dame has in the college football playoffs to where you haven't proven to other people, I think as me as a, as a coach mentally, I would want to get back to that stage just to prove that I can actually compete at that high level. Now, if he gets a, and it all depends on the NFL job too. Like, I'm not going to go, go to that train wreck in Washington with the Redskins. I'm not going there. So that also you have to take into account. Do, do I leave somewhere where I'm comfortable, where I'm not in, in limbos of losing my job and go to the NFL where I got to deal with a guy in Washington that I got to deal with and deal with this train wreck they have over here. So that, and that's the reason why I go out. And plus, like, You've been you've been to a college football playoffs. You've been to a national championship. You lost to Alabama. You lost to Clemson, and it, it wasn't in, in a fashion that I, I think was acceptable for somebody who wants to be regarded as you know one of those top college coaches. So I'll go out on that just because of you know what's out there in the NFL, and then also this the comfortability at Notre Dame. Okay, final statement for you in or out on this one: Jonathan Taylor should win the Heisman, but will be snubbed. Because of the quarterback position, it feels like the same thing in the NFL right now where you can make the case Christian McCaffrey could be league MVP, but Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson play quarterback, so they might get it by default. Yeah, but I will go... See, this is hard because I really like Jonathan Taylor. I like what he's doing. I think it, it all depends, and I'll go out just because it all depends on how you determine your Heisman. If you determine it, um, basically how important this person is, you lose this person on this team, you're not the same team. I think Jonathan Taylor and Tua are the two guys, and maybe Joe Burrow are three, that guys that if you lose those guys, I don't think you're the same team. So are you defining it as the most outstanding player in college football, or are you defining it as the most valuable to somebody's team? The because- mo- but, but, it's, but it's all that. But Because Jonathan Taylor's fourth in rushing yards. He, ha- he, he is second in touchdowns. But also, if you lose Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin will show that they're not the same team. Same thing for Tua. If Mac Jones enters that game for Alabama, do you know how many Alabama fans are going to, are going to just be like, oh, the season's over. Mac Jones is in the game because that's how important Tua is. I think Oklahoma can still win games because Lincoln Riley has proven that that system can still win games regardless of what quarterback's there. That's just a system thing because Lincoln Riley is good at playing within the quarterbacks that he has. And... I think Georgia Georgia doesn't have a Heisman guy. They just have guys, really good guys. And I think Justin Fields is another guy. Did you kind of think, are they good because of Justin Fields or are they good because of J.K. Dobbins? So I think if you're going to base it off of not only just stats, not only but the, also the importance of 
that person for that team. This team is good because of this person. I think Wisconsin is good, yeah, because their defense is number one in the country, but they also have to score points. And the reason why they score points is because of Jonathan Taylor. So I feel like, yeah, I, you can make the same argument for Tua, and you can make the same argument for maybe you know Joe Burrow as well. So that's the reason why I go out. Because, yeah, Jonathan Taylor knocks out the Jalen's, and the you know the other teams that are considered for Heisman trophies, they knocked he, they knock him off the board. But there's other quarterbacks that if they lose on that teams, then they they won't be the same team. So I'll go out on that. All right, that's it for another installment of In or Out. Coming up next, we will head up to Knoxville and talk to our buddy Ryan Callahan from Twenty Four Seven Sports. Can the Vols pull off the upset today over the Bulldogs at Neyland Stadium? We'll discuss that and more coming up next with Ryan here on Saturday Tailgate. All right, welcome back into Saturday Tailgate here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Nick and Marquise with you, leading you right up until kickoff. Let's talk some Vols and Bulldogs as we go up to Knoxville, Tennessee, and we welcome in Ryan Callahan from 24-7 Sports. Ryan, we appreciate a couple of minutes. How are you this morning? Hey, guys. Doing well. How are you? Doing good. Great to have you in. So let's get to the quarterback, Brian Maurer. Uh, we saw last week a really confident kid in his first appearance, especially in the first half, had some success against Georgia last week. You look at this Bulldog defense, they gave up 56 to Auburn. i, I got to believe that Brian Maurer should have some success today. Well, the, there's a couple ways to look at that. I would, I would think you're, you're generally right. Uh, the Mississippi State has one of the SEC's worst defenses in terms of scoring third allow the third most points per game so far with Tennessee having allowed the second most. If you're going by that, today could be a pretty high-scoring game. But uh, Mauer's also, you know, he obviously had some uh, more more trouble in the second half against Georgia. They, you know, obviously have a lot of talent on that team. They might have made some adjustments at halftime. So there's more of a book on him this time. Uh, you know, last week he might have been, it's possibly surprised Georgia with some things. This week, you know, Bob Shoup and that staff in Mississippi State have had plenty of film to study and learn from what Mauer did. So, uh, and also Shoup might have a, a, a more of a full roster to work with today. They've had some of those guys suspended for uh, some of their first five games, and, and, and now uh, they're expecting most of those guys to play, although we'll find out shortly whether that's the case. But with most of his defensive players back for this game, uh, that, that could make a difference too. So this might be a little bit tougher assignment just because it's the second game and Mississippi State's more at full strength. Now he's he's going to have a couple weapons in the receiving core, and, and every time we break down Tennessee, I, I don't think we mention him enough but it seems like he's the one player, and that's Jennings, who's playing with the dog in him. That's playing like every game is the most important game of his life. And he's been kind of the bright spot for this Tennessee offense. And what have you seen from Jennings this season of just you know him going out there every week and just wanting to win a football game? Like the, He seems like the guy that wants it the most out of anybody on this team. No, I, I think that's a totally fair assessment. And, that, and you know what? He, it's kind of the player he's been throughout his career when you look at it, really. But he just hasn't been healthy the last couple of years. He sat out most of the 2017 season with a, an injury he suffered in the season opener. Uh, last year, you know, banged up, coming off of a, an off-season surgery. Even this year, he had an off-season knee operation over the summer, uh, a fairly minor surgery, relatively speaking. But he was back in time for the start of camp and has looked surprisingly good to start the year. Already five touchdown catches in five games. So, you're right. He's he's played uh, he's playing the best football of his career, uh, and, and picking a good time to do it. Obviously, with a chance to play his way into the NFL maybe next year. But he, he's the guy that Tennessee would love to have 20, 21 more of those guys filling out his starting lineup, no doubt. And Jeremy Pruitt's made that clear every time he's been asked about him, saying, "Hey, we, we need more guys like Juan." 
Speaking of Jeremy Pruitt, Ryan, how did the Vols and the defense go about trying to slow down the Joe Moorhead offense today? We know that they've had quarterback issues, Tommy Stevens, Garrett Trader. We'll see how that is playing out today. Maybe they use both quarterbacks. What do the Vols need to do to be successful defensively today? Well, they've got to find some ways just to disrupt things. They haven't been good enough at that this year. Uh, Mississippi State, obviously, with if Schrader's playing, you know, they're likely to run a little more of the zone read type stuff and get him involved in the run game. And they, you've got to stop the run first against Mississippi State. They're led by Kylan Hill, the junior running back who leads the SEC in rushing. Uh, so you've got to do a pretty good job against the run. If, if you don't do that, it makes things difficult just from the start. Uh, and, and then they've got to they've got to find a way to you know get their hands on some passes, get to the quarterback more often. They're, they're not consistently getting enough pressure. They're, they're, I would imagine they're going to dial up quite a few blitzes today, just trying to get some pressure and stop the run. Uh, they've got to do both of those things better than they've done most of the season to slow down Mississippi State. Uh, I'm going to switch back to the offense real quick and talk about Jim Chaney and, and T. Martin. It seems like this offense hasn't really caught a rhythm. Like They'll have a rhythm in the first half, and then the second half they'll kind of lose that momentum once they leave going out of halftime. And uh, How would you assess – Jim Chaney and T. Martin so far with this offense. It's a good question because it's hard to it, it's hard to say really because some of that might have what we saw the first four games anyway might have been just so affected by the quarterback play that it's hard to judge what they've really been able to do. I think when your quarterback play is so shaky, uh, it, it makes everything difficult. So it makes things tough for a play caller. Uh, it certainly makes things tough for even the the running game when, when people don't have to respect the passing game as much. So. Uh, I think we'll, we'll get a better feel for that if Maurer can continue to show what he did last week and maybe give Tennessee more of a threat through the air. But I, I think, they, like you said, they haven't really found a rhythm, and, and part of that's just not executing well enough to get into a rhythm in any way. But I, I would like to see Tennessee execute better just so we could kind of see maybe what Jim Chaney's had in mind for this offense. But so far, personnel has limited them so much in, in a way that they just they kind of had to go with what they've been good at, and that's kind of varied from one game to the next. And that, when you're that unpredictable, it really makes things tough as a play caller, I think. Ryan, we appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Anytime. Thanks a lot, guys. You got it. Ryan Callahan does a great job covering the Vols for 24-7 sports. And that's a really interesting question about Jim Chaney because, you know, I have a preconceived notion that Jim Chaney is just an average offensive coordinator that Tennessee really overpaid and backed up the Brinks truck for him when I didn't think they had to. But it is, if you're being fair about it, you know, the offensive line going into the season was an issue. The quarterback we thought was a solution has clearly been an issue going from Garantano to Maurer, so it is difficult to truly evaluate Jim Chaney. And I think while you might already have the verdict on Pruitt, maybe we need just a little bit more of a sample size on the OC? Yeah, and and I think it takes time because obviously even with Garantano, of you're having to play with a new offensive coordinator and you're you're having to adjust to a new offensive coordinator scheme and what he wants to do on offense and maybe what he wants to do on offense is different than what they wanted to do on offense last year and that's the reason why you see this decline it's a lot different when we're talking about Dan Mullen and we're talking about a guy like Jimbo Fisher, who their quarterbacks have also made that same decline. But the difference is Jimbo and Dan Mullen have a little bit more of a hands-on approach with their offense. Jeremy Pruitt doesn't. He hires guys to do that to, as he focuses on his, on his defense. And I think you see the same thing, you know, with, um, and you see with Ole Miss and what they were able to do and, 
I think they're they've taken some time to buy in even to what Rich Rod wants to do on offense. And you know, we're we're looking at this guy like, oh, we're looking forward to seeing what Rich Rod does with this Ole Miss offense, and it's still taking them some time to click too as well. So maybe it's gonna take time. Maybe it's going to take a different approach to the quarterback situation, and maybe he can improve there. Maybe it's going to take for the offensive line to get healthier. Maybe that's the reason why you know, you're know you not getting that production there. I mean, Garantano's been sacked seven times this season. Maurer's been sacked five times. He's only played a couple games in the season. So if that tells you anything about how bad this offensive line is, then maybe maybe that's the approach. But, you know, it's... I'll I'll give it time. I'm I do think he's average. I think we gave him a lot of credit because of what he was able to do with Jake Fromm. But we see now with Jake Fromm, maybe that was just a Jake Fromm thing. Jake Fromm didn't come in as a two star, three star guy, you know, at Georgia and then all of a sudden, you know, he's just this good college football player. He went in there with high with being highly recruited and you know, Jim Chaney was able to take advantage of that, and maybe a lot of it was more so Jake Fromm is just really good, more so than, you know, Jim Chaney made him into the quarterback that he is today. So, you know, you know I think there's still rumors out with what Jim Chaney can do with this offense, and like I said, got to be patient. Be patient. I know it's it's these games, you haven't seen anything from the offense, but and if we if we were to evaluate Jim Chaney's offense in the first half, we would look at him as a really good coordinator. But it's just the second half when he loses rhythm in his offense, and that be his, that's his main problem. Vols going with the orange tops and the orange bottoms oh today. God. All orange. Ed Neal. What is this color rush and Thursday night on the NFL? Like what is this? I'm not a big fan of the orange pants. I'm not a. Uh, I'm a white pants kind of guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of doubling up on on the jersey, and, and sometimes it looks pretty cool if it's eh, certain colors look cool. Like all black looks cool at times, you know. It's and the Florida when they do it, it looks pretty cool because Florida's colors are cool. But just that that orange combining with more orange, and your stadium being majority orange, it just looks bad. Man. Mm-hmm. Just, but hey, you, you if they if they if it you makes know, them if, look if, good, if they win today. Ain't nobody going to care. Exactly. If they look good and they feel good, maybe they'll play good. I don't know. All right, coming up next, we're going to break down the Red River Shootout, Texas and Oklahoma, coming up in just about 30 minutes. We'll kick that around next. We've got the Saturday selections in about 20 minutes. It's Saturday Tailgate here on ESPN, 102.5 The Game. Back in here on a Week 7 edition of Saturday Tailgate, Nick and Marquise with you, ESPN, 102.5 The Game. Saturday selections coming up in about 15 minutes. We'll get to Texas, Oklahoma in just a moment. David Ubbin from The Athletic just tweeting out the starting offensive line today for Tennessee in warm-ups. Uh, Darnell Wright, um, let me just make sure I get this correct, the order from left to right. Uh, Wanye Morris, left tackle. Trey Smith, left guard. Darnell Wright, right tackle. You have three of your five starting offensive linemen. As five-star recruits, and the last time I checked, Jeffrey Simmons no longer plays for Mississippi State. The last time I checked, Montez Sweat no longer plays for Mississippi State. If the Vols can't block Mississippi State today, then maybe their offensive line is coached by the Titans' offensive line coach, Keith Carter. And maybe somebody should be fired. Because you got way too much invested on your offensive line today for Brian Maurer not to be healthy back there. And stand tall in the pocket and rip it down the field. Yeah, and I know Trey, Trey Smith is coming back from a lot of adversity injury-wise. But 
he's regarded as one of the best offensive linemen, maybe outside of Andre Thomas in the draft coming up. So, yeah, if, if you can't do anything with that offensive line and how talented that offensive line is, it, it's probably a coaching problem. You're probably not game planning and prepping these guys right before, you know, I, nah. Yeah, definitely somebody needs to get fired at that point. All right, let's get to the big one today. Texas-Oklahoma, let's go deep on this game a little bit. And we talked about the offenses, the coaches, the quarterbacks. I think the biggest question, and it's not just for today, but it's proving that you are improving in one specific area. That is Oklahoma and defense. We have talked about Oklahoma as a college football playoff team the last three years. And we always say, yeah, it's the quarterback. Yeah, it's Baker Mayfield. Yeah, it's Kyler Murray. We know they can score and ring up points like a video game, but they can't stop anybody. Is Oklahoma's defense not only good enough today to hold Sam Ellinger and Texas in check, but is Oklahoma's defense good enough to be a legit playoff contender? Uh, I'm going to go no. And here's why. Okay. Here's why, ladies and gentlemen. They played Houston, South Dakota, UCLA, Texas Tech, and Kansas. That That's not a good sample size. Now, if you're looking at those games, and this is a Houston team, they did score 31 points, but they struggled on offense. That, that, that was a game that, that should have been out of reach early on in that game, and they allowed 31 points in that game. Look, I look at the competition level, and they, they haven't – they haven't played an offense that, quite frankly, can put up points against them enough to where we can say how good or how bad this defense actually is. I think their first big test on that defense is going to be today. And I think and looking at what Texas did against LSU, which I think LSU's defense, I don't care if Oklahoma's defense has improved. I don't think their defense is even better than LSU's, even if they have improved. So, And I saw what Texas was able to do against that defense – Compared to what they're going to be able to do to Oklahoma's defense, I don't look. I and that game against Kansas in the beginning stages of that game, maybe a lot of it was Jalen Hurts' struggles, but a lot of that was also Kansas scored twenty points on this defense. So it's just I'm not buying that this defense is good. Maybe they've improved from last year, but it's easy to improve from last year because last year was just so awful. But I don't think they have improved. I think they're still going to have to rely heavily on their offense and there's a reason why they have to score over 50 points a game is because of they're trying to make up for the defense and don't look at these games and say well they they allowed 14 points against South Dakota and and UCLA and 16 against Texas Tech that's that's good but they're not I mean look at those offenses they're not as good as what Texas is going to be able to bring to them today you know, last year, Texas was able to pull off the upset, but Oklahoma still would go on to make the college football playoff. And you mentioned the offense. You know, I think so many people get caught up in what they do with the quarterback. And obviously, C.D. Lamb is a, is a stud. Many people think, you know, if he's not going to win the Bolitnikoff, he may be the second-best receiver in college football behind a Jerry Judy uh, or a few other players. But look for another guy today as well. Rambo, the receiver for Oklahoma, that kid averages 27 yards a catch. Now, I know the Big 12 is not known for defense, but still, 27 yards a catch is pretty insane. And that is the greatest name that you can give. Yeah, if your name's Rambo and you play football, I'm a little worried about you. <laughs> and and then also, and you got these two guys, you got C.D. Lamb and you got Charleston Rambo, and you got a banged-up Texas secondary last week getting a lot of injuries on that secondary. So, you know, we'll see how, how that plays out 
with that banged up secondary going against a guy like CD Lamb and Rambo because it's kind of pick your poison with those guys. Even if you match up your best corner or your best, you know, your best defensive player and your best in the secondary against CD Lamb, then you're going to just have a big game from Rambo as well. So I, th- I think the, this is a tandem that we can look at and we can put them on the level of. You know, what USC has with Vaughn and, and some of those guys, what Alabama has in Judy Ruggs and, you know, Jay and all those guys. And then also you can look at what LSU has on their receiving core. They have three talented wide receivers as well. And I think you can put Lamb and Rambo on that list. Rambo Lamb. That's, that's a good combination of names. It is. It sounds delectable, actually. <laughs> um, I was looking at this. Speaking of food, uh, how about this? Darren Ravel, business reporter. For ESPN and ABC, I believe, puts out a picture from the Texas State Fair, and it is a bacon cheeseburger, but no bun, and instead of a bun, it's a funnel cake, top and bottom. Now, I'm all about pushing my liver to the limits on a college football weekend with Tito's. I don't know if I want to push my arteries and my heart to the limit with a bacon cheeseburger (laughs) kind of sandwiched between two funnel cakes. Look, I don't get this notion of I like all these things, so you know it's a good idea if I combined all these things. Like I've seen people try to put a burger between two two glazed donuts. Yeah, I'm I'm just like, no, I like donuts. I like glazed donuts separately, and I like burgers, but I like my burgers on buns, and I like my my donuts to just be my donuts. Like. You're you're just asking for health concerns early on, and I, I look, I understand, man. Make your money. There's going to be people that buy it. Trust me. There's going to be people that eat it and try it. But like, like I never got like, why would I want eight patties on a burger? Of like, why can't I just get two patties on a burger? And like, if you ever, you guys are just so obsessive with this food, man. It's just. If you ever go to the Texas State Fair, you can actually get this at the Texas-Oklahoma game at the Cotton Bowl. Um, but let me ask you this, because we're both Bama fans. We both view Alabama-Auburn as the rivalry in college football. Uh, we've both been to the Iron Bowl in person. If you could go to one college rivalry, and have I told you today your options were, let me give you four. Ohio State-Michigan, Texas-Oklahoma, Army-Navy, or... USC Notre Dame in South Bend. Where would you go? Uh, it's, it's hard to argue Army Navy Navy because uh, I have a ton of respect for that rivalry. I think that's one of the most prestigious rivalries in all of sports, Army and Navy. But it's usually not a competitive game. See, that's the thing. It's prestigious for what it means for these kids when they leave and go yeah. to serve our country. Exactly. But the game never means anything. Exactly. And if you love triple option and wishbone, <laughs> have at it. <laughs> yeah, have I'd, at like, it. I'd like to see some passes down the field. I don't know, man. I mean, I, I love the Iron Bowl. Ohio State. But then that hasn't even been competitive. It's, it's been lopsided. It's been lopsided. So I'd probably, I'd probably end up going... Texas OU, right? Texas OU, because, I mean, you got to look at it this year. If we're basing it off of this year, USC hasn't been, or if we're basing it off of recent memory, Notre Dame and USC is kind of far in between. Notre Dame has kind of controlled that rivalry over the last couple of years. This is not the Matt Liner, Reggie Bush, USC days versus Notre Dame. This is a completely different, you know, venue. Ohio State and Michigan. Obviously, Ohio State has had the number on Michigan. They've won four straight. And then, uh, not, 
and then Army Navy. Obviously, you you'll have you know not a you'll have one game be competitive on one side, and the other guys don't be competitive on that side. So I'm, I'll I'll go OU and and Texas. Just considering the talent that they both have on offense, the two coaches, which I I, I love both coaches. I love Tom Herman and what he's. I, I've always been a fan of Tom Herman since his days at Houston. So I, you know, I like Tom Herman and what he's doing with that program, and I also love what Lincoln Riley's doing, and that's why I want him to stay in college football because I would hate to see him coach on Sundays because I know what that end result is if he coaches on Sundays is he can either go really good or it can be really bad. It can be like Chip Kelly going to Philly almost. <laughs> so, And I'm trying to avoid that for Lincoln Riley as much as possible to not be that college coach that, like Chip Kelly, who's way over his head thinking, well, my offense will work anywhere, so I'm just going to go take it to Philly. And then all of a sudden, a year later, none of your players like you and none of them want to play for you. So I, I don't want that for Lincoln Riley, so I want him to stay at Oklahoma as long as he can because he can be a legend there, and he, he can go down as – you know, he can be up there with Bob Stoops as legendary coach in Oklahoma history. So stay there. All right, coming up next, it's time for another round of Saturday selections here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome back into Saturday Tailgate here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Coming up later today, the Predators and the Kings pregame at 4 o'clock with a puck drop coming up at 5. That, of course, here on 1025 The Game. 94.9 Game 2's got MTSU and Florida Atlantic coverage begins at 2 o'clock, followed by a little Nashville SC soccer tonight as they take on North Carolina at Nissan Stadium. Coverage begins at 6.45. And if you're looking for Alabama, Texas A&M, and Arkansas, Kentucky, you can get those on 93.3 Classic Hits. Captain Kurt, let's get to the Saturday selections. We're closing in on kickoff around the nation. Time to make this week's picks against the spread. Let's go. You know we gotta do. These are our Saturday selections. All right, Hollywood, six games against the spread this week in our Saturday selections. We will begin College Station today as Alabama rolls into Texas A&M, a 17-point road favorite. Yeah, you know I don't like taking spreads over 16 points, man. I didn't know that, but thank you for telling me. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like picking. So you're, you're going Giggum? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm going Alabama. <laughs> I got confidence in Alabama's offense to be able to score. I think this game will end up being like a 45-24 game. That is the identical score that I have. 45-24 Alabama. So, so yeah, I'll, I'll go Alabama with the points there. I, I was I was a little worried, a little spectacle, but yeah, I'll go Alabama. I just don't see how Texas A and M slows down Alabama's defense. I do think A and M is going to score some points today. Uh, I would be worried about a backdoor Texas A and M cover where maybe Alabama's up twenty or twenty one points. Nick Saban pulls off the dogs a little bit, and Texas A and M puts up a touchdown in garbage time to lose by fourteen. But I'm with you. I will take Alabama, and I will lay the seventeen. Seems like Nick Saban always does that. And that's why I don't put money on, on Nick Saban, because he pulls back the dogs, he takes his starters out, and then... Well, well Mac, the, Mac Jones comes in, they don't do anything. Hey, he doesn't. They just run the ball to Brian Robinson. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, they, yeah, if, if, you have, if I'm a betting man, I would not put money on Alabama, okay. unless it was a close game. Uh, Red River shootout today, Oklahoma, a 10.5-point favorite in the Cotton Bowl against Texas. I like Texas covering I, the 10.5, and, and I would not rule out a Texas outright... Although it feels like to me, Oklahoma 
revenge game from the regular season last year. I'll take Oklahoma to win by about a touchdown, but Texas gets the cover. No, I agree with you 100%. I'm going to go Texas plus the points, but I'm going to stick with my prediction that I had in the preseason when I said that Texas would win the regular season matchup but lose in the conference championship, similar to how they did last year. I'm going to go Texas winning this game today against Oklahoma. We, and we need an upset in college football. We need some shaking up a little bit in this in some of these top teams. So I'm going to go Texas wins this game today in a close one, and they cover, obviously. So yeah. And uh, both of us in the preseason picked Texas, I believe, to win the Big 12. That's correct, right? Yeah, we did. So, you know, I, and I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with Texas until they lose this game. And if they lose this game, obviously i got to get off the bus. All right, let's go to Camp Randall, shall we? Big Ten country, Wisconsin, a 10.5-point favorite at home today against Michigan State. Wisconsin, statistically, with the best defense in all of college football. I don't believe in Brian Lewerke. I don't believe in Mark D'Antonio currently right now. Michigan State struggles. They will struggle for points today. Give me Wisconsin minus the 10.5. They win by two touchdowns. Oh, too. I like that. Uh, but do you think it'll be one of those games, though, where it's very physical, low scoring? It'd be like a ten to fourteen or a ten to seven game, a ten to seventeen game, maybe. Um, do you I, see that? Do you see this, that game? This is for me. Feels like twenty seven thirteen, Wisconsin. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm going Wisconsin. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to give Michigan State fans a little bit of hope in this game, just in case you know they needed it. So, no, I'm going Wisconsin with the points. Jonathan Taylor has a big game today. I think um, this defense is going to be able to hold Michigan State to maybe 10 points or under. So I'm going to go Wisconsin in this one. Sorry, D-Mace. It is not going to be Sparty's day. Let's move on. Is it ever Sparty's day? <laughs> no, not recently. <laughs> not, not this year. Notre Dame, a 10.5-point favorite at home today against Southern California. This looks like, to me, a mismatch on paper. I think it'll be a mismatch on the field. I think Notre Dame's a really good football team. I will take Notre Dame. I'll lay the 10.5 points, much like Wisconsin. Give me Notre Dame by about two touchdowns. Um, I'll, go to no- I'll go Notre Dame. I think they win... I'll say they went about two touchdowns as well. Look, this USC team has a lot of offensive power. You got their, I can't even say their starting quarterback because they don't have their starting quarterback back. They got the backup to the starting quarterback back in this game. So I think they will put up some points, but I don't think it'll be enough. I think Ian Book has a good game today. And I, I think in order for Notre Dame to get back in the conversation of a college football playoff, and I know that's very doubtful considering they don't have a conference championship game, and then they got a Michigan team next week, which eh, we don't know about Michigan too much. So, you know, I think they're going to have to win games convincingly, and I think this is going to be one of the games they have to do it in. So I'm going to get Notre Dame with the points. Okay, Saturday night on ABC, you get Penn State and Iowa. Should be a good one in the Big Ten. Two contrasting styles. Penn State likes to play fast. They've got athletes. They've got speed. Iowa, your typical Big Ten team, they want to play old-school ground-and-pound football. The Nittany Lions, about a a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. I will actually back Iowa in this spot. Kinnick at night. Give me Iowa plus the three-and-a-half. I think Penn State wins but they win by a field goal. 23-20 Penn State. Sweat it out. Iowa. Close cover. Penn State gets the win. Yeah, I was a little torn between this one too because I think this is going to be one of those games to where it's it's going to rely heavily on the kickers, and I know you hate that. If, I know, hey, if I know it's a you, Saturday and you're relying on kickers, you're screwed. 
I know you cringe when I say that, but you know Nate Stanley struggled last week. I think he has a good game this week against this Penn State team. I do have Penn State winning this game, but I do agree with you. I will go Iowa plus the points in this one. I think they keep it close, but I, I think Penn State ends up winning late. It may be a one. It may be one of those games, kind of like with Oregon and. I'm blanking Oregon and oh Oregon and Auburn. Excuse me, I was I blanked on who Auburn played in the beginning of the season. But it would kind of be one of those games where it's like it's a close one point game, and then all you need is a field goal, and then all of a sudden Penn State gets the field goal to end the game. So I will go Penn State. I'll go Iowa plus the points. Okay, final one. It is the big time game tonight in Death Valley. LSU a thirteen and a half point favorite against Florida. And since the moment this line got released Sunday afternoon, going into Sunday evening. Six days ago, and I saw that LSU was almost a two-touchdown favorite. I was immediately convinced that LSU was going to hammer Florida. And I stand by that. I think LSU wins this game 35-17. They will win by three scores. Florida, Kyle Trask, banged up. They were emotionally invested in the Auburn game last week. Hard to do it again. Death Valley at night. Joe Burrow, big night. Tigers roll. Tigers cover. I got the Tigers cover in this game, too. I think... Look, this defense, this Florida defense is really good. I think they have a lot of talent on that side, but I just don't think that Kyle Trask, and even if you put Emory Jones in that game, I don't think you can keep up with LSU's offense and what they're able to do there. So I will go LSU winning convincingly, and they need one of those marquee wins that is convincingly similar to the had against Texas because I think even with that Texas win people still doubt LSU's ability to score the football at a consistent basis against top opponents so I think they leave no doubt in this game LSU wins comfortably and they cover the spread today okay that is it for us here on week seven of Saturday tailgate we're back at it next Saturday at 9 a.m central time stay tuned coming up next we've got Preds Extra live from the Ford Ice Center in Bellevue with Ryan Porth and of course later on today the Predators take on the Kings as their four-game homestand is over, they begin a West Coast swing with Los Angeles pregame at 4, puck drop at 5. Have a great rest of your Saturday, and we will talk to you next Saturday on Saturday Tailgate.